LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Today's episode of The One Thing is part of a longer episode. If you haven't listened into part one yet, I'd encourage you to go back and have a listen. Our hope would be that all of our ministry is convictionally driven, that we're drawing from God's word to shape our ministry in very practical ways. What are some of the kind of key convictions that get you out of bed in the morning, that keep you going on hard days or keep shaping your ministry approach? What sort of thing? Uh, no, I think, I think two things really, uh, as I've thought about it. I think the thing that um, you, at heart, I'm a modernist, not a postmodernist. And so it's just the fact that it's the gospel's true, I think, is the thing that gets me out of bed the most. Uh, whether it's working or not, inverted commas, working, um, whether the church is going gangbusters uh, or whether it's just, you know, lagging or whatever. I think the thing that gets me out of bed in the morning is that I'm really convinced that Jesus actually rose from the dead, that the tomb is empty. And so you've just got to get to it. Uh, it's true. Uh, and so, you know, what else do you do with that? Um, and so, you know, on those, and there are totally moments when I'm thinking, oh, I just, you know, is this going to work or whatever? You just go, oh, well, has anything happened in the last week to make me think that Jesus hasn't risen from the dead? If the answer is no, then I guess just get up and do it. And I, you know, I'm basically, <laughs> un unless they find the body, I'm just going to keep going. Uh, yeah. um, really. Um, uh, but I think the second thing that keeps me going is... Uh, I mean, anyone in ministry has been blessed to varying degrees by seeing the way God has actively worked in people's lives and changed them for the better. Um, and certainly we've seen that in the last nine months, uh, you know, uh, sleepy Christians waking up. Um, uh, as I said, a couple of people who weren't Christians at all at the start of the year become Christians. Um, uh, people be really self-sacrificial in a way that makes me feel guilty until I realise they're not actually serving to, to help me at all. Um, they're serving to help Jesus and to serve Jesus. Um, yeah, they're the kinds of things that get me up out of bed. Oh, so good. You've, you've touched on this a little bit in your last answer, but I think sometimes our picture or our expectations around church planning are a bit unrealistic. So the perfect strategy, the highly gifted kind of launch slash SWAT team coming in, um, the extrovert church planner with endless energy. Have you noticed any of those kind of false expectations along the way or has have you noticed any gaps between expectations and reality for you? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, I mean, there are certain stereotypes about church planters and church planting. And I think I meet some of them. So, uh, you know, I think I'm an extroverted person, etc. And I've got lots of energy. Um, that's just the way God's made me. And I'm really grateful for that. Um, but am I some kind of strategic supremo? No, uh, absolutely not. Like basically, I, uh, no, I, a lot of that sort of stuff I'm very much learning on the go. It's part of why I'm so grateful for all the people that God has put around me, both within the network who can um, fill in those really significant gaps in my skill set, uh, but also within the actual church itself. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, so I'm, I'm not that hugely strategic person but I've got a lot of help from people around me which I suppose is a strategy in itself it's realizing oh I'm not that great at that 
So my strategy has to be get people who are good at that stuff. Um, you know, if anyone's listening thinking, oh, I'm just not that person, uh, the answer is, well, you may not be, um, but if there are people around you, hopefully, you know, between the two or three or ten of you, you'll actually all make one complete human being. Um, and then, you know, that might actually be the way that God uses it. I mean, I think that's, um, that's what I've seen. Uh, and it's, it's drilled home to me just the importance of team um, and, uh, you know, my own insufficiencies, but, um, you know, being okay with that. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's been good. So I think that's probably, you know, kind of the myth of the church planter as awesome pioneer who's got all the answers. Um, that's certainly not true in my case. Yeah, and a great encouragement. Yeah. That it doesn't have to be this small percentage of highly gifted yeah. individuals. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, you only need to, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of 30% of a person. Uh, and that's, you know, but that's okay. If you can find uh, 70% to make up the difference, great. Yeah. And that's the image of the body of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Christ is the head, all these different gifts. Yeah. That's yeah, it. Yeah. That's it. And along the way, you've been coached in church planning by Reach Australia. Yep. Anything you've found particularly helpful as you've been coached? Yeah, uh, I think, uh, so I, I have been coached and uh, Greg Lee has been my coach. Shout out, Greg, if you're listening. Um, I think... Uh, in, I think I'd say two things. I think first of all, uh, it's great having someone who's been there before, um, has a lot more runs on the board than me, and is able to just see things with fresh eyes. And I've just found that so helpful uh, in asking questions. Uh, that is uh, me being able to ask him questions, but also him asking me questions about, have you thought about this? And me having to go, oh no, I just really haven't. Um, and so that's been a really helpful thing. But I think a second thing is actually just, um, it's not that I ever turned Greg into my sort of de facto counsellor, but there's always an emotional aspect to church planting, in fact, in ministry. I mean, he was my ministry coach actually before I planted as well. Um, but it's great just to have a sounding board, uh, just to have someone who's not in your context, who you feel like you can be uh, maybe even more vulnerable with perhaps. Um, uh, and, uh, and I found that just really tremendously helpful as well. Yeah, yeah, sounds great. Now, for people who are listening who are in a church that hasn't done a church plant yet, mm. they might be just thinking, you've mentioned some of the things, some of the things that can be downsides or they might be thinking, oh, we're going to lose some of our key volunteers. Our resources might be spread across multiple locations. So it can feel like church planning would be a bit of a sacrifice. Mm. Can you talk some more about some of the benefits to the main church of doing a church plant? Yeah, and I've actually been on both sides of the aisle on that. So I'm, I'm currently a church planter, um, but I've been on the other side where I've been pastoring in a church where we've sent. Um, and I think what I'd say is, um, I would say that is right. Like you, there is a grief and there's no point soft peddling that when you send people off. Um, it is, it's sad for both parties because inevitably you won't see each other nearly as much, no matter how much you say you will. Um, and so it's, I think it's quite right to front up to that. And I think not only is it sad for both parties, I think it can be sadder um, for the sending church because they feel like they're doing the more boring thing than the church planters. You know, the church plants, they're all going off on the really exciting thing and you're staying at home. You know, it's a bit like you probably feel a little bit more like, you know, the mum and dad sending their son or daughter off yes, out know, into the world out into the world and they're all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed because they get to go to Europe and you're just at home with the ticking clock 
Um, that's how it, you know, yeah. that's an exaggeration, but I think that's how it can feel. Um, so, but it's good to acknowledge that. Um, and, and, and I think if you're the pastor of Ascending Church, thinking about this, you know, get ready to pastor your people through that and really acknowledge and to use that horribly fashionable word, you know, kind of validate their feelings, because I think it's true. Um, but I also think, having seen it, uh, it does actually, it's got, a, it's got a really vivifying effect on the Ascending Church as well, because all of a sudden, you know, you're missing 50, 80, 100 people and that leaves everyone in the pews looking around at a whole bunch of empty spots going, oh, I guess we've got some work to do here then. Uh, you know, because if, you <laughs> yeah. if you're planting, particularly because you're full, a full building can be terribly deceptive. You can see your building with 200 people in it and think, oh, job's done. Um, but of course, that's just the size of your building, uh, fooling you into thinking that. Uh, this actually forces you to see that and go, oh, we've got to get to it. Um, and, uh, you know, people within the sending church inevitably rise up to do ministries they never would have done before. And I've seen that too. So I think the two things, I've said this in a rather long-winded way, um, acknowledge the grief, don't pretend it's not there. Yeah, it's really hard. Um, but uh, it's actually, it can also be really exciting for the sending church. And I think it's, it's, it's a win-win. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Great encouragement. Now, often in the early days of a church plant, there's only one paid staff member mm -hmm. and there may be no visible women in paid roles providing kind of examples and clear pathways for women into ministry. Mm. Is that something you've thought about at Trinity Church Mile End? How do you go about encouraging women to consider possibilities for ministry either now or in the future? Yeah, I mean, I, and certainly talking to women, I think they often feel shut out of the church planting space, often because... Um, they feel like, you know, often with a new church, there's only money to pay one person and coming from a, a complementarian framework, that's, that's always going to be a bloke. And so they think, well, what place is there for me? Um, I think a key way of addressing that in a way that empowers both men and women is thinking that um, uh, is getting away from that solo pioneer type A bloke church planter leader um, uh, that he'll do everything and have all of the solutions and rather think, well, you'll have a sole pastor and he'll be the only one on the payroll, but he actually represents a much wider church planting team made up of engaged lay people who actually have significant responsibilities, um, which not only can be, but I think should be made up of both men and women. Um, and so certainly in our congregation, in our team, in, our, in our, the key leaders of our ministries, um, they are basically half and half men and women, um, and uh, and it's uh, and in and in both word uh, word teaching roles and non-word teaching roles, um, and so I think uh, I think that's the key is to think you church plant as a core team, who happens to have a paid staff member at least to start with leading, but um, there are so many opportunities to serve there in that kind of team way, and I think that's helpful to be thinking through from the start. Great answer. Well, it's been so encouraging hearing about Trinity Church Mile End and uh, the nine months that you guys have been operating as a church plant, a little bit longer as yes. a congregation as well. Uh, Des, this is the one thing. So what's the one thing you want to say about planting a church? Ah, just go and do it. Just go and do it. Uh, and of course, that's a flippant thing to say, but I just, um, as I look at Adelaide, uh, if ev even if every single church building in our city were full, 
we still would have only scratched the surface of our population. Uh, and, uh, and so we just, we need more churches. Um, and so if you're even slightly interested in thinking about planting a church or being involved in that, um, you know, do, you know, start scratching that itch. Um, even if it means you don't end up doing it, you end up realising that that's not the right thing for you, that's fine, but, but don't ignore that itch. Definitely, you know, start, start giving it a scratch. Awesome. Well, in the toolbox today to encourage people who might be uh, having that itch to think about church planning, uh, we have a link to an episode on the Reach Australia podcast called Do I Have What It Takes to Plant a Church? We'll also have a link to the Church Planner Assessment Tool on the website. And the team at Geneva Push would always love to chat to you about getting assessed as a church planter. And if you've enjoyed hearing this episode about a church plant in Adelaide, I'd recommend episode 267 with Andrew West, who planted a church in Sydney one year ago. And just a reminder, if you enjoyed listening to Des Smith, he will be at Reach Australia National Conference in May next year. And so you'll get to hear a little bit more of him. Well, that's all we have for The One Thing today. Des, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great. Awesome. Well, I'm Joe Gibbs. Chat soon.